0: All right. Welcome in, everyone, to episode 20 of the Peach State Tailgate Sports Podcast. I am Kenny Cochran, joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Mr. Jake Huell. We out here. It is second episode of the week, and you know what that means, boys and girls. It is time to give some picks.
1: Oh, yeah. It is that time. We are pumped for it, too.
0: Uh, Once again, like we do every single episode, we want to thank you guys so much for listening to us. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to check us out anywhere you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star review, leave us a like, give us a follow. And if you're listening on the podcast side of things, be sure to check us out on YouTube. Give us a subscribe, give us a like, interact with us, check us out. You can see the live when we go up. We do a little BSing before we get to start on the show. and talking about our lines and what we're looking at. Kind of give a little game plan for what the show is going to be like. So you get a little extra content there. And be sure to check us out on all the socials. You see it right here on the Twitter, at Peach State Pod. Uh, give us a follow on there. And, uh, and, and yeah, we appreciate you guys so much for listening. Uh, the reception's been amazing. We're going to keep going. But, yeah, like we just mentioned it, man, it's the second episode of the week. It's the episode where we give our picks. We talk about what's going on. We talk about our gambling records. Um, Man, if, if I could and toot our horns a little bit here, Jake, I would like to say that as a show, we are on a little bit of a heater these past two weeks. Heater alert. Peter, alert is right, sound the alarm. Y'all are listening to a show where we are analyzing these stats. You've already heard us address ourselves as statisticians.
1: Yep, that's true.
0: Um, so if you're tuning in, you've been following us. I know we made you some pretty good money these past couple of weeks. Boy, I hope we can keep that going because my betting account would sure appreciate it. Um, so y'all keep tuning in every single week, and hopefully we can keep giving you some winners. But Yeah, man, we got another good episode for you today. We're going to talk all things sports, all things Atlanta, all things Georgia, and all things, all things, like we do every single episode. Um, Obviously, Georgia's got a bye week this week, so we get to talk about a little bit more, dive into a little bit more bit talk, maybe, um, talk about some of the things. Obviously, we got basketball ramping up. You know, Jake is the five-star basketball guy right here, so he's going to give us some pretty good analysis. We got to see our boys play last night, so that was awesome. And uh, I guess without further ado, Jake, I'll pass this torch on over to you.
1: Well, Kenny, uh, great introduction as always. I always got to start it off by saying that. And uh, before we get into it, too much picks and basketball talk and all that fun stuff, we're going to do it like we do always. We're going to touch a little bit on our Atlanta Braves. Um, you know, the season's freshly over. We mentioned that yesterday. But we do have a little bit of fun stuff that just came out today. Um, we have the Gold Glove finalists for each position. And your Atlanta Braves had four guys make the finalists in the Gold Gloves. We had Max Freed for the national league pitcher obviously he's won back to back now he's looking for three in a row he's going up against tyler anderson from the dodgers and corbin burns for the brewers kenny i'm gonna take these one step at a time i'm gonna give my opinions on these and i'm gonna let you kind of you know dip your toes in the water a little bit on on these opinions too but in my eyes this is an absolute lot for max freed he is the best fielding pitcher in baseball he has been in the past and he continues to be that um Besides a little the little errant throw he made in game one of the NLCS, uh he has always been or NLDS, my apologies. Um, he has always been absolutely nails when it comes to the glove. So I think Max Fried is a lock right here. Um, if he does not win the gold glove, it is a shame. Give this man the give this man the award.
0: Yeah. You're not gonna get anything different from me. I completely agree.
1: All right, let's take it to the catcher position. Um, Travis Darneau, a guy that has not won a gold glove yet in his career, I believe. And uh Darno is a fun guy in Atlanta because he has continued to, you know, kind of rack up some accolades near the latter part of his career. And to see him as a Gold Glove finalist, it is awesome. He is up against uh, Tomas Nito and JT Realmuto of the Philadelphia Phillies, obviously. Um, so we have an NL East 3-3 uh, player race right here. In my eyes, just knowing how this normally goes, I'm going to lean JT Realmuto. Um, I feel like that he is never a bad pick for Gold Glove. So I love Travis. Travis was definitely an improved fielder this year off of what we've seen from the past of him, but I still don't know if he's up there enough to get past JT for that, for that top spot.
0: Yeah. Once again, I'm going to agree with you here. I love Travis. Um, You know, he's a brave for us, man. And we're homers, but we love Travis and Travis has been a monumental piece to this Atlanta team. Obviously huge in the world series push last year, but yeah, Travis, it's awesome to see you on this list, buddy, but uh, no way in hell he beats out JT right here.
1: No, definitely not. Um, Okay. That takes us to first base where, uh, might be a little bit surprising, but um matt Olson Matt Olson is up there, matched up with Paul Goldschmidt of the St Louis Cardinals and Christian Walker of the Arizona Diamondbacks. I know Braves fans Matt Olson had his up and downs in the field a little bit this year he had he had trouble catching the ball sometimes whenever it was you know getting delivered to him but you know overall, Matt Olson is a good feeling first baseman um you know stats prove it the eye test sometimes can kind of fail that, but um. He's matched up against Goldie, who's a guy that has won gold gloves in the past. Obviously, Matt Olson has two with Oakland. Um, Goldschmidt has always been a good fielder, but this year was kind of a down season for him. I want to say that his uh, ounce above average was like negative six. And then Christian Walker. This is a guy many people might not like, know of because we don't really watch him too much over here on the East Coast. But looking at his stats, he by far and away should win this award. He is by far the best defensive first baseman in the National League and in baseball. So I'm going to go with Christian Walker right here.
0: Yeah, this is a guy that, um, you know, obviously you know who Christian Walker is if you follow baseball, but he's not a guy that catches your attention like a Matt Olsen or a Goldie does. Um, and I actually didn't know about his crazy fielding numbers until you told me earlier. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hopping on the train with you there as well, especially after um, those numbers you told me about. This dude's nuts.
1: Yes, and then we are going to give you our, another lock that goes along with Max Fried right here. The nationally shortstop position. Seon Kim for the San Diego Padres, Miguel Rojas for the Miami Marlins, and Dansby Swanson for the Atlanta Braves. Dansby Swanson needs to take this award. He was second in all of baseball out of every position, I want to say, and uh, ounce above average. Miguel Rojas is a great fielding shortstop, but I don't think there's a guy in the league this season that touches Dansby when it it comes to the shortstop position.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're really getting some in-depth analysis from us on this podcast because I'm just going to agree with everything you say.
1: I feel like I feel like all four of these positions are like the Christian Walker one's a little bit up in the air. That's the one I kinda had to do a little bit more research on. I will be completely honest with you. JT Real Music could have negative twenty outs above average right now. And I would not be I would not know because I have not looked up any any stats outside of first base. I'm just going off of my eye test and what I've seen. And just seeing Dansby and seeing Max Fried play like every day or Max play every five days or so, whatever you want to say. Um I I don't see a better fielding pitcher. And you talk about pickoffs, this dude, this dude is a master when it comes to picking off runners at first base. I don't know if that's something that they put into, you know, a Gold Glove award, but I would think it would be. And if it is, he gets a lot of bonus points right there.
0: Oh, yeah, hundred percent. And and dude, I mean Dansby, it's kind of funny too because we've talked about Dansby in the past of having the ability to be an amazing fielder. And he's he makes the flashy plays and makes some crazy jaw dropping plays and then misses a routine play, which is kind of crazy. But it seems like this year, I mean, you see him at the plate, everything he was able to do and, you know, kind of earn that money. We talk about him headed into free agency. But I mean, really all around, I mean, it's a career year for him and he is well deserving of this award.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to click on some catcher stats right quick. Pop time. Uh, best pop time in baseball, JT Riamuto, 1.8 seconds. And the time hits his glove to. Second base. It's pretty insane. Yeah. Um,
0: I can't even give any more catcher insight because it's just it's JT Romito.
1: Travis Darnot, Uh, Let's see where Travis's pop time is. Travis's pop time is 57th in the league with a two-second pop time. Um, fun fact, William Contreras actually is, a, is 31st in the league with a 1.97 pop time, which is actually pretty good. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it on the Brave stuff. Um, that was just some news that came out today, so I figured we'd talk about it. Um, obviously, we're rooting for every Brave to win these awards. It, it always looks good whenever you pull up their little Wikipedia page and you see the Gold Glove 2022 thing on there, or whatever year it is. Um, it's always nice to have that. Uh, so let's root for the Braves. But in my opinion, I see two two of these four guys getting it. And also, before we get off this topic, it is an absolute shame to everybody out there that Michael Harris is not a gold glove finalist in the outfield. It is yeah. terrible, abysmal um Juan Soto is. And Juan Soto is a he is closer to Nicholas Castellanos in the field than he is to a guy like Michael Harris, which which says something. Uh he is a sure. uh, is a bad fielder in right field. Um and to see him as a gold glove finalist and not Michael Harris somewhere in the outfield is kind of kind of crazy to me. Also, I want to mention, this year, they brought in a new uh, gold glove position. It's utility. And 1st year doing it. And then nationally, they put Tommy Edmond in the utility spot and Dalton Varshow in the utility spot. But the weird thing is, they are both also finalists at their respective positions. So I, I don't really know what the purpose of the utility spot is. I hate Jeff McNeil with all my heart. But this would be a guy that you would look for in this spot. A guy that plays all over the field and doesn't really have a primary um but not these guys like if you're gonna put somebody at a different position don't put them in utility that it kind of like it doesn't really make much sense to me
0: no it doesn't make any sense at all and it's absurd that michael harris isn't there i mean that's just it's absolutely ridiculous i know he didn't play as many games as everybody else but what he was able to do in the time that he was here is ridiculous and for him not to be on this list is an absolute shame yeah it's terrible
1: also there was another little upset thing i saw some people kind of chirping about um where Manny Machado was not a finalist for third base, but uh, where Ryan, Mc- Ryan McMahon is, or I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm, I'm not even going to really try too much. Uh, so, I, Manny man's a good player, don't get me wrong, but uh, I think a lot of people not seeing Manny Machado's name in gold glove finalists at third base every year is kind of like a like what, what's going on thing.
0: Ask you about something before we head out of this one, Jake and it's okay. not Braves related, but I was actually looking up these numbers because I, I read a little bit about it earlier, but I wanted to check for myself while you were talking about the catcher position. Okay. The NL third base. I know it's kind of a, it, it you know, statistically is one thing, but it's kind of a popularity contest, so to speak. Um, What do you think about this third base? Gold Glove Award. You're looking at Nolan Arenado, Cabrian Hayes, and Ryan McMahon. Um I know Nolan Arenado is like one of the most amazing fielding third baseman we've ever seen. But Cabrian Hayes led all third basemen in the MLB with an eighteen outs above average.
1: No, Cabrian Hayes is an absolute stud, man. I caught one of his I caught one of the uh, Pirates games earlier this year and his dad was in the booth uh talking ball with the announcers. And he was talking about how, like, the main thing Cabrian Hayes thinks about when playing baseball is defense. And it shows that dude can play ball. He's a really, really good young player, man. And I would love to see him win it because I am a Cabrian Hayes fan. I think he's, he's an electric player. Um, but you know how this stuff works. Um, whenever Nolan's name gets in there, I think he's won, like, nine in a row now or something crazy. They're probably going to give it to him, and they're probably going to give him the platinum glove, too, whenever it probably should be, like, Gansby Swanson Swanson work. But, uh, yeah, we know how that works with Nolan.
0: He's also second with 15, I will say.
1: Okay. I've, I've seen this right now. Look at Josh Donaldson, fifth with seven. Okay. Where's good friend Austin Riley up? Negative six. Oh, dear. <laughs> hey, he's, he's, he's better than the advanced numbers say. Advanced numbers hate Austin Riley. I guarantee you this. He is not going to win a gold glove at third base, though.
0: No, he is not. He's better than Patrick Wisdom. Yes.
1: And uh and Alec Bohm. Alec Bohm is terrible.
0: That's hilarious. Yeah, I think uh, when you look at these numbers, brian Hayes is so impressive and you know him as a guy that's just he takes pride in fielding, but like you mentioned it, Jake. I mean it's such a it's such a popularity contest. When Nolan Arnado's name is in there, you know he's gonna get it. And it's a shame when a guy like this has an amazing season like he did, but you know, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, some things you can't help. Uh I'll, I also want to mention this too. Um We're kind of going off the rails a little bit here, but I'm looking at the second base position. I just wanted to get a little research. Ozzie Albies had four outs above average in his, in his short sample size of playing. That's the same amount as gold glove finalist, uh, Jake Cronenworth. So, um, which we all know Braves fans. We all know if Ozzie Albies had a full season and he'd probably win the gold glove at second base, like rightfully. So now that, uh, now that um, Colton Wong really isn't the, isn't really the guy that he used to be. Colton Wong was kind of the guy that was Ozzy's, you know, Biggest rival when it came to Gold Gloves at second base. Now that nobody really even knows what he's doing in the league anymore. Um, now that that's kind of past. I, I think that Ozzy would, uh, he had a negative nine. Colton Wong had the second worst ounce above average among quality qualifying second basemen. That is insane. This dude was filthy with St. Louis. Good Lord. All right, now we're off the rails a little bit. We're going to hop back on the rails. Um, that finishes up my Braves talk, Kenny. Um, I don't know if you have anything else you want to kind of talk about with the Braves.
0: I mean, we mentioned in the last episode, uh, probably this upcoming week, we're going to dive into some, you know, end of the season superlatives, I guess you could say, give some awards, talk about, you know, big time contributors during this entire season and kind of give a summary of what we thought, what we saw this year and tell you about who we thought were the, you know, the MVPs of the team who contributed in which way. So I'm excited to do that. But so we'll dive into that this upcoming week.
1: Okay. Perfect. Perfect. I agree. We will be, we'll be ready for that, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Now we're off Braves talk. Kenny, how about we hop, hop into a little bit of Hawks talk before we get all the way up in this football action? Yes, sir. Alright, so your Atlanta Hawks tipped off the season against the Houston Rockets at home on in, in State Farm Arena, and they look good. Um, We start off the season 1-0, which is always a positive. We beat them 117-107. Um... My major takeaways: Um, it is very, very fun to see Trey Young have another uh ball dominant guard on his team. Dejounte Murray really, really looked good in his first game in a Hawks uniform. I will say this: Neither Trey Young or Dejounte had the most efficient nights when it came to shooting the basketball, but they did their thing. Um, the best thing about Trey Young that I have noticed is a bad game for Trey Young is a twenty-three point thirteen assist game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know that trey young is a legit superstar in this league It's like whenever you're watching him play you're kind of like you're watching you're like damn trey's kind of off tonight you know he's missing some shots he's not really not really doing normal trey things um and then you look at the box score at the end of the game and he puts up a very very quality game and dejounte was kind of the same way honestly dejounte was you know he came out made the first basket of the season for the hawks he looked like he was gonna be on a tear and then then the ball kind of stopped dropping in for him the stuff that the, the stuff that Jante does outside of just, you know, scoring a basketball, that's not really what you bring him here. You bring him here to be a guy that could pass the ball around, which he had 11 assists. You bring him here to be a physical defender, five steals, a block. And he also five rebounds like this dude had a great game in his first uh first stint with the Hawks. Before I get too far into it, Kenny, what, what was your thoughts on Dejounte Murray and Trey Young's, you know, first game together as a dynamic duo?
0: And I loved it. I loved every second of it. And DeJounte is the guy that has been super hyped up this year, especially by Hawks fans and fans all around the league. Because when you heard the trade rumors, it was like, who's going to land them? Who's going to land them? Everybody had their theories about which team was going to go out there and make a push. And you heard the rumors with the Hawks about the, the Donovan Mitchell stuff. And it just made sense. The DeJounte situation made a lot of sense. And it it's a little bit of a, you know, if you're a, a devout basketball fan you're gonna know and you're gonna be like wow it's a really quality pickup for these guys but it's it's not as flashy of a move you know from a from a just a general perspective as the donovan mitchell move i guess you could say but it really fits what this Hawks team is trying to do and fits what we need um a little bit better than something like that so to see him come in man and and something that i thought was pretty interesting is that both he and trey young both played 38 minutes in this game um so we were kind of wondering how that dynamic was going to work about you know maybe you pull Trey out and leave DeJounte in the game and kind of have that one-two punch and it seemed like these guys were on the floor together most of the game and they just the chemistry is there and obviously these guys knew each other beforehand so these guys go way back and have probably played with each other in the past in the offseason and whatnot so um dude the chemistry is absolutely there and I was just excited to see him play dude um and and it seems like it's going to work I mean I told Jake I sent a text in our group chat after the game. I said, I can't remember the last time we saw a Hawks game where four players had 20 plus points.
1: No, I agree. And that, that kind of brings me into this next, next topic of conversation with the John say, Murray and Trey young, not having the most efficient nights on the floor. Um, it was, it was very, very made up for by John Collins and Deandre Hunter. Both of those guys had fantastic games man John Collins it seemed like that he was scoring the basketball at will whenever John Collins and this that this is what John Collins does man John Collins does this every night he's he's always been an efficient scorer he's good he shot nine for twelve from the field two for two from three four for four from the free throw line 24 points eight eight rebounds and uh dude he just he does this every night and if he's a guy that you can actually get shots to and just let him do his thing he is going to put up points and with Trey and DeJounte on the floor now, it's going to happen. There was times last night where I saw DeJounte get the ball, see John down on the post with a mismatch, and just give, give, just give the ball to John. Let John work. Because whenever he gets that post and he starts hitting that turnaround, that turnaround jump shot or, you know, getting to the basket, he is deadly. And my favorite thing about John Collins, I feel like this is so undervalued, is he is dominant from every spot on the floor. He can shoot the three ball with super high efficiency inside he's one of the most efficient scorers in basketball and he also has a very very nice mid-range to go along with it now when it comes to deandre hunter this has been kind of a question mark for hawks fans going into this season because he's a guy that we've seen flashes from and we know what his true potential is but we've also seen you know pretty pretty low times for our friend deandre we've seen him have his two-point nights where he shoots one for ten from the field and just can't seem to get anything to go in and we see nights like we saw last night and to start the season off that way after getting that big bag that you just got of a contract extension it was really, really good to see, man. Um, one thing I've always noticed about DeAndre, whenever he starts to get his mid range game going, he is almost unstoppable. Whenever he can get like a one dribble mid range pull up shot and it starts to fall, he starts to get hot. And when DeAndre Hunter gets hot, he is a really, really good scorer. Um, I saw him get, he had to he had some, a couple rebounds uh, last night, which was good to see. He's been a guy that kind of struggles with rebounds. And one more guy I want to really, really mention, Anyeco um, Kongwu. This yes. guy, I said this in the last podcast. This guy would be a starting center on majority of teams, and it showed. Man, he came out and impressed. He was another of those guys like John Collins, where it seemed like if he just made his way into the paint, he was going to put the ball in the basket. And defensively, we know what we're going to get with O.O. He is a beast defensively. One thing I want to mention again on Anyeko uh, Kongwu: nine rebounds. Rebounding has always been kind of his his weakness in his game because he's not really the biggest of guys at center. He's a super athlete. We know that from how he plays defense. But... You know, sometimes you just get these these big, these big 6'10", 6'11", 7-footers can just, you know, outreach you and just grab boards. But he had a really, really good game, you know, on the glass, which was nice to see from our young uh, third-year center now.
0: Yeah, dude, 17 rebounds from the five spot between Clint and Onyeka Okongwu, both together. Um, I don't know what more you can ask for. I mean, it. we talk about the dynamic between those two guys, and you've been on the Okongwu train more than anybody I know, and uh, this guy's just continued to impress me. Uh, One thing I want to say about DeAndre Hunter, too, um, you mentioned it a little bit ago, um, just watching him play, aside from the stat line, he just looked comfortable out there. Yes. Um, And I like that a lot. I don't know if it's the security, you know, getting the big deal, you know, keeping him around for four more years or whatever, but he just looked like he was really, really comfortable out on the court, and that's huge for a guy like DeAndre Hunter because you know what you're going to get from him. You know you're going to get a really quality – you know, really quality production from this guy day in, day out. And he might not have the the most efficient games. Like you just mentioned, he'll go one for 10 on some nights, and some nights he'll come out there and drop 22 on you. But, um, you know, regardless of what the box score looks like for this guy, he's a big contributor all around the court, especially on the, the defensive side of things. So just him being out there and looking comfortable um, was huge for me. Yeah, I
1: agree. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about Clint. Because I did see a little bit of ramblings on Twitter talking about Clint Capella. It was probably some box score watchers that just, you know, look pull up the box score after the game ends and see that Clint Capella only scored two points. Guys, in an offense that has John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Trey Young, and DeJounte Murray on the floor majority of the time, Clint Capella's job is not to score the basketball. Clint's job is to do exactly what he did last night, to grab boards and to play defense. And luckily enough, Clint Capella is one of the best in basketball at doing that thing. He is not going anywhere. He's not getting benched. Clint Capella is very, very good at his job. And I guarantee you, at some point this season, he's going to get his points. Like We we see it from Clint every once in a while. He has a little flash of a 25-point game, 25 points, 13 rebounds. It's coming. But don't expect Clint to go out there and give you 15, 16 points every single night because that's not really what you're going to get from Clint. He is one of those guys that has to put such a workload in on the defensive side that offensively, you can't expect too much from him. It's kind of like Trey whenever we talk about defense, which, Trey, to be honest with you, Trey looked like an improved defender last night. I, there are some plays where he's kind of, you know, I'm not going to say lazy because whenever you're, you know, playing 38 minutes in a game and have, having so much usage on offense, it's not really laziness. There were some games, there were some plays that he was kind of like, you know, disappeared for a second. But one thing I will give Trey is that whenever he locks in on defense, he does play with a lot of intensity. He kind of flies around. Um, We talked about DeJounte steals earlier, five steals. They were big time steals, man. This guy is lengthy and he is explosive. That is my two key words to talk about Dejounte because he will let you just think that, you're, that he that you have an open man outside, just like you know, just running your offense, passing the ball around. And next thing you know, this guy just boom, he he busts right through, snags that ball, and he's on a fast break like you. Nobody's catching him. Like I, he had he had a fast break dunk yesterday. And it's funny because he likes to leak out a little bit. He'll get his steal, and if he doesn't get possession of the ball, he's gone down the court. He's going to let somebody else get the possession of the ball and just throw it to him because he's wide open on the other end.
0: Yeah, dude, he's so exciting to watch, and and you mentioned it. He's just a freak athlete. Him and John Collins both, really. I mean, these dudes are just absolute freak athletes, genetic freaks, athletic freaks but and they're both hard workers too like it's they're they're the full package and when you get guys like this coming out there playing 35 minutes apiece, um i mean you, you can't really ask for anything more from this hawks team man um hey i want to go ahead and say it too hawks start off the year 1-0 and straight up also 1-0 against the spread they covered in this game nine and a half point line so we're one game closer to becoming a betting wagon for the atlanta hawks
1: that is true let's let's keep let's keep it rolling um i Watching the game last night, I, I did want to mention a little bit of something on the uh, Rocket side. Jalen Green has dynamite on his feet, dog. This kid can get up with the basketball. Now, he did miss some dunks, so it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of a funny thing. But holy cow, there was multiple times in this game where he took flight. And if you were to, if you were to slam it down, you'd have saw him on ESPN the next day. He just he just didn't. Dominique said on the broadcast he was trying to dunk it too hard. Like he had the dunk, he was up high enough, and he just tried to slam it in a little bit too hard, and it, and it, and it rattled out. But um, yeah, I did want to mention him because he is going to be a very exciting player to keep track of in the future.
0: Yeah, no, dude, especially on a team like the Rockets team where you're you obviously a little bit lackluster. All around, from a team perspective and from an individual perspective, when you get a guy like that, that's just an absolute stud, an absolute freak to come out there and play. Um, you know, he's going to be a big key piece for this Rockets team if they want to build anything. You know, headed into the future, yeah, couldn't get it done against the Hawks, but you know, can't blame me. Hawks are the best team in the NBA.
1: Facts. I mean, if you look at record wise, we are, we are definitely up there. One thing I I did notice too, and this is just a thought that came into my head last night. Why has Eric Gordon been in Houston for seven years now. Why it's has there life. not Why has there not been a playoff caliber team call up Houston and try to get this man on their team? I'm not saying Eric Gordon is a super superstar by any means, but you're trying to tell me a team like the Lakers or somebody can not use him on their roster? Like he, he is a he is a good basketball player that is kind of just wasting away over there in Houston. Like he, I'm not going to say like super wasting away because they do have a lot of young talent. You look at guys like Jalen Green and Kevin Porter, um, but it is very interesting to see him, you know, you don't see guys last like that on bad teams. And I guess, you know, Houston hasn't really been super bad for super long. So it's kind of a thing. But most of the time in, in basketball, it's kind of like baseball. Whenever a team goes through a rebuild, they are going to rebuild and they're going to dump everything in that franchise. So he's, he's kind of an interesting guy to see stick around for stick around with Houston as long as he has.
0: It seems like he's been there for seven years either.
1: Yeah, I, I actually had to pull it up because I was trying to think about how long he's been there. Um, but yes, this is the seventh season in Houston.
0: That's crazy.
1: That is very crazy. Um, last note on the Hawks for me. Um, last year, the Hawks, obviously, we mentioned it were the most efficient offense in basketball. We were just near the lower end of the defensive side. And right now, none of that stuff really matters. It's game one. You could have an amazing defensive game, an amazing offensive game. And, you know, next, next game, you might suck on both ends. But there was one thing that the Hawks did last year that made them so good on offense, and it was passing the ball and getting assists and limiting turnovers. And the Hawks continued that in game one. Uh, 30 assists to 9 turnovers is a fantastic ratio. Um, Trey Young continues to do what he does. He is somebody that somehow limits turnovers like crazy for a guy that distributes the ball as much as he does and has the ball in his hands as much as he does. 13 assists to 3 turnovers is a pretty pretty crazy assist to turnover ratio and uh like i mentioned earlier it's kind of funny that that's like a we're we're just used to it at this point like it's it's Trey Young like that we don't we don't see anything worse than that from Trey Young
0: <laughs> now this dude is a perennial mvp candidate
1: he should be i i'm i'm really 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 rooting for uh the hawks to have a really really good regular season cuz you know Basketball is a little bit different than baseball. In baseball, you can win an MVP off of a team that has a record below 500. Basketball, that's not going to happen. You have to be a very highly-seeded team to even be in the conversation for MVP.
0: Yeah, and it's stupid, but, you know, that's just how it is.
1: Yep. Well, uh, we're looking forward to um, a big game tomorrow, um, or this morning, or tonight, if you are to it on the podcast side, against the Orlando Magic. It'll be our first time seeing Paulo Bencaro um he had a fantastic first game by the way um rookie out of duke and he really really impressed in his first game which was cool to see i will actually be in attendance to check it out first time paulo is uh coming over to atlanta it's gonna be a home game and as you know a little bit of interesting stuff paulo and DeJounte had a little bit of beef this offseason so i'm kind of excited i i hope i i honestly hope nothing comes from it because obviously like it it is exciting but you know, injury risk factor, suspensions. Like, I I don't want nothing to really come from it. But if it does, I guess I'm not gonna be too upset. Like, <laughs> I I want to see, I want to see a little chopping, maybe a little bit of head to head at some point. Nothing more than that, though. Let's just keep it limited. Guys, come out there and play basketball. And uh, you know, let's get this dub against against the a pretty weak Orlando Magic
0: team. Yeah, and let's get a Dejounte poster while we're at it. Oh, that'd be beautiful.
1: Um, yeah, Benchero scored 27 in game one of his career, which is very impressive. <laughs> absolute freak i I do meant do want to mention though um markel fultz is going to be out gary harris is also out uh morris wagner's out and so is jonathan isaac for the orlando magic um bogdan is obviously still out for the hawks we're gonna wait till we get a little bit more news on him to see when he can come back i think right now it's kind of just playing it by ear and wait until he can get healthy he was on the broadcast last night for a little bit he's a pretty cool guy It was pretty funny to listen to him and uh him and Dominique chop it up. That's one good thing about having Dominique in the booth. Whenever he gets to talk to the players, he always gives some really like, insightful, insightful talks because he is an NBA legend. So we're uh, rooting for you, Bogey. We need you back on the floor because if there was one weakness from this Hawks team last night, it was definitely the three-point shooting. <laughs> but that wraps it up on Hawks Talk for me, Kenny. Uh, if you have anything else to say, then you can go ahead and roll with it. And if not, you can go ahead and uh, bring us into your next topic of conversation, sir.
0: That's it for me, man. Really excited to watch this Hawks team play this year. Yeah, it's
1: gonna be a ton of fun.
0: All right, let's dive into the next segment. Let's do a little. Uh, we we you know we'll dive into the dogs a little bit here. We got a bye week, so a little bit of a slow week for dog content. But with that being said, we got a little two week ramp up until the biggest rivalry game of the year: Georgia Florida cocktail party in Jacksonville game. Everybody loves um, the quote unquote neutral site. Um, and, Jake, I kind of wanted to get your opinion on this. If you guys don't know um, Georgia fans, obviously, but if you're listening, you might not be a Georgia fan. You might not be too privy to the SEC tendencies. Um, but Georgia-Florida is one of the biggest rivalries in college football, one of the biggest in the SEC. Um, and this game is played in Jacksonville every single year on a neutral site. There have been a lot of talks recently about making this a home-in-away series for years to come and um a lot of people have mixed emotions about it so i kind of wanted to get your take what do you think about switching this and bringing this to athens um you know in the future
1: okay so um i guess i kind of have mixed feelings on it too um i've never been to a florida georgia game it is one sad thing in my life that has not happened which i would absolutely love to go especially in jacksonville because it seems like such a such a fun environment you know you get two big fan bases together that absolutely hate each other's guts and uh a lot of alcohol can make for a fun time. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, I I can't really lean one way or another because I do love it being in Jacksonville. But I also cannot imagine like, I'm going to think about it from both sides. Like the Gators coming to Sanford Stadium would be electric for Georgia fans. And also, like, you know how nerve wracking would be for us to have to go down to the swamp? Like, (laughs) like, I I feel like like, I feel like it also works both ways. I feel like for like college football fans, I would kind of like the. Damn, I don't know, Kitty, that is a very, very good question on my opinion on this. Um, I I'm going to lean to the home and away. I, I, I like the idea of a home and away thing. I think it would be a ton of fun like honestly like i know as georgia fans we'd be a nervous wreck to go down to the swamp but you just think about the bulldogs playing in an environment like that and getting a big win in the swamp like there's no better no better thought than
0: that right now in my head no and that's the thing too i mean you, you talk about the benefit of having anybody come to athens Sanford stadium is one of the craziest environments of college football um so bringing anybody here gives you such a big advantage for just home field but the whole dynamic of traveling to the swamp to take on this florida team is also exciting so i think it's a twofold thing like it would be a benefit for both fan bases i would think um and it would just be exciting to have to do that and travel i mean when you have such a big rivalry like this florida georgia anytime you can make it as toxic as possible and limit the 50-50 fan outing um i think would be pretty cool and obviously right now florida's not a very good team But, you know, you talk about the Kyle Trask days, dude. I mean, even before that, like going on back to Tim Tebow or whatever, like this is one of the most competitive rivalries in college football. And to have the whole dynamic of traveling to the Swamp or them coming to Athens to take on the other team in their home environment is really, really cool. And I do like the whole Jacksonville thing. They call it a cocktail party because that's exactly what it is. Everybody goes down there and gets a little tuned up and enjoys the game. So that's fun and everything, but – you know, it does feel like we might be missing out on a little bit of an excitement uh, of having a, a home game or an away game against this team.
1: Yeah, pregame, pre-game the cocktail party is definitely a lot more fun for like, fans and stuff, I would think. Which um, also, like I said, it, it kind of contradicts a little bit because I also couldn't imagine going to a tailgate in Athens for a Georgia Florida game. I feel like that would be insane. But um, I feel like game wise, it would definitely be a lot better played at a home and away. Like, just having no, I, the actual home field advantage at like involved in this type of rivalry would be insane. Because, you know, both fan bases, I'm going to give you a little bit of credit here, Florida fans. I know y'all would come out and support them Gators if we went down there to the Swamp. And trust me, trust me, Florida, if y'all came up here to Sanford Stadium, we're going to show out. We show out everywhere.
0: Yeah, you talk about a game like this against a team like this, man. It's it's a crazy environment, even on a neutral site. So yeah, the thought of having a home environment or an away environment would just be even more toxic. And I love every bit of it. Um, so talking about this game, I just mentioned, and obviously we've talked about it on the podcast before. We're we're Georgia fans. We hate Florida. We always will. We always talk about how much we love to hate on the Gators. And um, this year, it's it's you know it's never not fun. To hate on Florida, it's it's one of the best weeks of the year, especially a two-week ramp-up like this. Any chance we get to take a jab at these boys, we will, and we'll do with a smile on our face. But this year, they are a bad football team, man. Um, this game opens up right now. They've got at a fourteen and a half point line, which um, I'm definitely co- uh, confident in the dog's ability to cover that. Yeah. Um, you talk about pregame predictions. I saw something. Um, it was, uh, I think it was Brandon Boykin. Dog legend Brandon Boykin had the prediction. Georgia wins 35-10, to 10. Um, and I like that a lot. Uh, I think 35-10 to 10 is probably about where it's going to be. Um, so this Florida team, Anthony Richardson, obviously has struggled. Um, he's a, a freak athlete. A lot of people had him. I think uh, Mel Kuyper had him as a top-10 draft prospect across the board, all positions, which is absurd in my opinion especially when you see what this guy's been able to do this year, which is absolute Jack. Um, So it's not going to get any easier for you, bud. You got to take on, you know, in my opinion, the best defense in the the nation. Um, One of the best defenses in the nation statistically, I believe number four overall is what the stats show right now. So, Anthony Richard's going to be in for a long, long day. And then Stetson Bennett coming off that heater against Vandy. This entire UGA offense seems to be buzzing coming off of last week. So you get a bye week and really give us the ability to get these players healthy. The guys we're missing. We talk about Jalen Carter, um, A.D. Mitchell, obviously, our stud receiver, our number one receiver. So if we can get these guys back against this Florida team, I think it's going to be a bloodbath.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Brandon Boykin's score prediction. I think it could actually get a little bit worse for Florida than that i think that we could be looking at something like a 45 to 10 game and we could absolutely just run it up because i talked about it against auburn we talked about it going into the auburn week this is not a team that we're gonna let off the gas pedal pedal even if we're a better team which we are significantly we are going to prove it we are going to come out here and we are never going to let the gas guess what buddies when we're up by 30 in the third quarter or fourth quarter. Carson Beck's coming in, and we are not changing that offense. He is going to throw the ball double digit amount of times on you and just let him see what he can do because he is the starter next year. So you know that is the that is the beauty of this Georgia team is that even whenever we' up on whenever we're up on teams, we like to keep it on keep the foot on the pedal and keep it rolling. So I'm really really pumped for it, and I know that we'll be be talking about it a little bit more next week or a lot of bit more next week um because it's college football season, um, and this is our favorite thing to talk about, I must say, especially now that
0: the Atlanta Braves are over.
1: And, uh, yeah, it is going to be a lot of fun. 100%.
0: 100%. It's going to be a bloodbath, and you just mentioned it there. We put in the twos and threes. We're still going to run the score up on you. It doesn't matter who we're playing, especially against a bad team like this. So I don't expect it to change now, um, especially with a big week like this. By week, get everybody healthy and get a chance to just get a little bit more prepped than we were before. Um. Yeah, boys. This this is going to be an ugly one. It's going to be fun for Georgia fans. So if y'all strap it up, put your big boy boots on, put your jeans on. It's going to be a little bit cooler weather outside. Get ready to enjoy this one.
1: Hell yeah. Um, is that it for Georgia talk? Because I'm I'm like I'm looking at some college football games this weekend that seem awfully intriguing.
0: That is it for the Georgia talk. Let's before we dive into betting talk. Let's go ahead and knock the Falcons out of the way.
1: you do Falcons first?
0: Let's go Falcons. We'll talk about Falcons, talk about what we're looking like for this upcoming game, and then we'll dive into bets because uh, with a bye week, a little bit less Georgia talk, I'm excited to dive into some betting lines. All right, we can do Falcons. Do you want me to kick it
1: off? You want to kick it off?
0: You kick it off. Go ahead.
1: All right, so everybody, um, this coming up weekend, the Atlanta Falcons are heading over to Cincinnati on Sunday, and we're going to play the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I think every Falcons fan should be very, very excited for this game. you know, this is a team with the Cincinnati Bengals that just appeared in the Super Bowl last year. But they are definitely a team that are that is beatable. Um, they have some pretty significant injuries right now. Um, Logan Wilson, linebacker, he is questionable, along with Hayden Hurst, tight end. I know he was kind of talking about he's, he's excited to, you know, play his former team again, which I think he is going to play. And along with Alex Kappa and uh, Jamar Chase, who right now is dealing with a little bit of like, I think it was a rib injury. I think he has. So, you know, they have a couple key injuries on our side of the ball, though. You have to look at this Falcons team. And you have to wonder, man, how do the Falcons keep on, you know, beating odds? And we talked about that before. You know, you talked about it yesterday about how teams, you know, continuously beat us in most categories. That would mean you win games and we still pull out wins. And we look at it at an injury perspective. We lost Cordero Patterson, who looked like he was the whole offense to start the season. And the Falcons continued to play good ball after that. Now we lost Casey Hayward to the IR. Um, I'm curious to see how this Falcons team can kind of bounce back from that. We also mentioned with AJ Terrell he's dealing with a little bit of a hamstring issue. I don't know if we've gotten too much updates on that or if he's, you know, participating in practice or anything this week. But I know I believe, you...
0: I believe AJ practiced today.
1: Perfect. Okay, so if we can get AJ Terrell back, it's gonna be a huge boost because I guarantee you Jamar Chase is not gonna let, let a rib injury hold him out. He is probably gonna be on the field this this coming up weekend. Um but Casey Hayward is an interesting guy to lose. But the beauty of things with the Atlanta Falcons that I mentioned in yesterday's episode is we actually have a little bit of depth at the at the cornerback position with guys like D Alford, who is also questionable this week. I just see that right now. But also we look at Darren Hall. Darren Hall is one of the is playing like a top tier quarterback in football this year. So you throw him on the field for Casey Hayward's position. And uh, I think we should be just fine. Um, a little bit of a preview for this game. The spread right now is set at six and a half, leaning towards Cincinnati. I'm not going to really give my opinion on that just yet because we do have some betting talk coming up. I just wanted to throw that out there um right now, the series record between the Bengals and Falcons the Bengals beat us nine to five overall. um We have a couple different key intriguing things to talk about right now. The Cincinnati Bengals are not very good at stopping the run um d j reader is Sideline right now with an injury, so the Falcons' main way of producing offense is running the ball. So if a team is not very good at stopping the run, it kind of makes us feel like, okay, we have a pretty good shot on offense to put up pretty significant numbers. Right now, through 54 carries, Tyler Alger has 2,235 yards. Um, he needs 65 yards to become the third fastest player to reach 300 yards. In franchise history which is pretty pretty interesting i I did not know that i'm actually on espn i just gave you a straight up straight up line read read straight up off of it so sorry if i have any copyright issues right here espn thank you for you know giving giving us this this nice information i can use on the
0: podcast side of things oh that's crazy i had no clue
1: yeah i i actually read that earlier and i had to have it saved so um i i could mention it also uh it doesn't have an author name, or I would give the author's name to it. But, um, yeah, it's on ESPN, so if anybody wants to read the little preview, just click on the little preview thing, and it tells you all this fun stuff. But this is going to be a team that is probably going to test us a little bit defensively. Um Falcons' pass defense still is not fantastic so far this year. So this is a team that likes to air the ball out. Obviously, Joey B is is still a good quarterback. Um, he had kind of a slow start to the season, but he is fully back right now, and he is he's looking back to his... His normal self. And then you mentioned guys like Jamar Chase and uh, T. Higgins. He's a guy that's been dealing with injuries a little bit this year. And he is also going to be back full go this week, which is another significant thing. Oh, wait. I didn't mention their running back, who happens to be kind of off to a slow start, but happens to be one of the best running backs in football, Joe Mixon. So we have a couple things that the Falcons are going to have to contain this week on defense. But um, I do like our odds. This is a team that, you know, we mentioned the young cats that don't really get... um, It seems like they don't really get to... pressured or intimidated by higher up opponents. It seems like they kind of like to show out. They kind of like to come out here. They don't care who they're facing. They just want to win the ball game. And uh, if the defensive front can kind of hold up against the Bengals offensive line, that still has not looked, you know, particularly great this year. I would absolutely love to see that happen.
0: No, and you made a good point there. And that was kind of my biggest talking point with this game is the, the way that the Bengals struggle to stop the run. Um, and with this Falcons team being so dynamic on the ground between, I mean, you talk about guys like Caleb Huntley and Tyler Algier, even with, uh, CPAP being out. And then, you know, don't forget about Marcus Mariota. His ability on the ground is, is still crazy. Um, he's just a guy, he's kind of slippery. He'll get out there and make a couple of moves. He's obviously really athletic. We've seen that from his time in college to Tennessee to now, um, he's a really dynamic player. He's been really, really good through the air too, the past couple of weeks. So he, this is a guy that a lot of Falcons fans, including myself said that, you know, Maybe, you know, he could potentially be holding the team back a little bit, but he seems to just be a gamer. You know, he might not be a guy that wows you on the box score, but he's a guy that'll get out there and put his life on the line for the team and do whatever it takes to win. And in a game like this against a really good Bengals opponent, even when they're not playing the best football here lately, um, that's really what you need from a Falcons perspective is somebody that's going to go out there and just do what it takes to win the game. And you're looking at a a six-and-a-half-point line here, which is by no means absurd. I think it's probably about right. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really excited about this game. I think it's going to give us a whole new, a whole new perspective against a really dynamic passing offense to see what these young boys can do. Obviously, you mentioned it with the injury, the injury situation with Casey Hayward and uh, AJ Terrell. Um, I'm really hoping AJ will get cleared to come out here and really, you know, hopefully finish out practice. Won't be too limited. Come out there and play because I'm pumped to see a AJ Terrell, Jamar Chase rematch.
1: Yeah, and I have some stats pulled up right here. Um, it's it's like team stats. Both teams should be able to to attack the other team's weakness on on the defensive side of the ball. So right now, the Cincinnati Bengals are the 13th best passing offense, but the Falcons' defense is the 31st passing defense. So at that point, they, they should have an advantage in the pass game, but then we flip it over to the other side. The Falcons' offense is the third best rushing offense, and the Bengals' defense is the 21st rushing defense. So we look at it, both teams can attack the other team's weaknesses. but on the other hand, things don't look like they're going to get better the other way around. The Bengals right now happen to be the 27th rushing offense, where the Falcons are the 9th best rushing defense. And then we flip it over to the other thing. The Falcons are the 30th best passing offense, and the Bengals are the 13th best passing defense. So it, it kind it's kind of weird how this thing kind of like is like a parallel issue, where both teams have positives on their defense, but it just so happens to be the thing that the other team is already bad at on the offensive side of the ball.
0: <laughs> that's pretty interesting, and that, and I'm not going to get too ahead of myself because I do have a pick in this game for my four picks of the week on the NFL side of the ball. um So I, I'll hold my tongue a little bit, but that's pretty interesting what you just said there. Yes,
1: very, very, very interesting. um But I, th- I think that that wraps up for Falcons talk to me, Kenny. Do you have anything yeah. else that you would like to mention? That wraps up for me. All right, so so that takes us to betting, correct? Yes. How do we want to play this out? Do you just want to throw some picks out there and then we can give our official picks? Do you want to do official picks first and then talk a little bit about some a little bit about some games?
0: Let's do let's do official picks. We'll go college first. Give your official picks in college, and then we'll talk about some games we're looking at, mm-hmm. and then we'll switch over and do the same thing in the NFL sub. So.
1: Okay. Okay. So we're we're gonna go college first and then we'll then we'll flip things over. Um give me one sec on this, Kenny, and I will. I will – do you want me to lead us off on our, on our favorite for college football
0: or you want to lead us off? Um, it doesn't matter. I, but I'll tell you what, before we get to that, let's talk about how we've been performing lately. Okay. We mentioned at the beginning of the episode we've been on a little bit of a heater here lately. Jake and I came out with the format of giving you guys a favorite, an underdog, an over, and an under every single week, making that an official pick. That way we could kind of keep tabs on, our, on a betting record moving forward to kind of give ourselves some notoriety. I guess you could say um, it also is a little bit of a risk because if we come out here and give stinkers, then nobody's going to listen to us and take it seriously. Um, we've been fortunate to ha- have come out on the winning side of things for two weeks in a row now. So I will say that two weeks of giving you guys our official picks, we are, as a show, at a collective record of 20, 11, and 1 right now.
1: 20, 11, and 1. Check us out. We are doing we're doing big things. We win you money if you listen to our bets.
0: That's right. If you listen to us, we're winning you some money. Hopefully, we can keep that going with our official picks tonight. We'll talk about some games we like. If you want to follow suit, hop on the train. We're going to keep this thing going and talk about our record next week, so we're not shying away from it. But 2011-1, man, that's uh, it's, it's pretty daggum good, I'll say.
1: Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I, I love to hear that number because that means that we are positive sports bettors, and that's all you can ask for in this world
0: amen amen all right let's dive into it man let's talk about college football jake your favorite of the week in college football
1: my favorite of the week okay so this is a very very fun one i see different things i'm leaning to different things i'm going against but my favorite of the week i am going to go go with the louisville cardinals uh minus two and a half with pittsburgh coming to them i like this louisville team i think this louisville team has some upside um and I do not like this Pittsburgh team. I do not think this Pittsburgh team is very good. So, you know, that kind of that kind of you know that kind of rolls with with everything that you would think. Like <laughs> I, I don't know how else to explain it other than that. I know Pittsburgh is uh four and two right now, Louisville's three and three, but I do like this Louisville Cardinals team a little bit more than I like Pittsburgh. So two and a half. I think that's a little bit too close for me. I'm gonna go to Louisville.
0: All right, all right. My favorite of the week, I am taking Texas A and M. Oh. Minus three against South Carolina. I thought about Takes it. Texas a m is a team that has not been very impressive so far this year, but they come out two weeks ago against Alabama and play an absolute hell of a game. Uh, gave the Crimson Tide everything they wanted up until the last minute with one of the worst play calls I've ever seen in college football. Do not understand why they went with that weird – a weird five-yard out route at the goal line. It was weird, man. I, I just don't understand it. I, I don't know why you do that. Haynes King throws a horrible ball. Maybe a missed pass interference call there. You know Who knows? But whatever. They still played a really, really good game against Alabama. Haynes King came in there taking, taking over for an injured Max Johnson, who earns that starting role, and actually plays a pretty good game all things considered for Mr. Haynes. So um, I look at this game for two reasons. Number one, I'm looking at Texas A&M coming off a really good performance against Alabama, and then they head into a bye week last week. They had an off week. Hopefully that'll give them some time to get Haynes back in there. I believe Max Johnson is still going to be out with an injury from the latest update I have seen. So it looks like it's going to be Haynes King's ship to run for at least one more week. Um, If he can build off a good performance like that against Alabama and roll into a pretty, pretty bad South Carolina team, I think three points is just not enough, I, and that's really with whoever at quarterback. I think this Texas A&M team is far better than South Carolina, and I think they're a lot more than three points better. So give me three points with A&M. I'll take that.
1: I like it. I like it. That's what I was kind of looking at too. Um, I didn't want to pull the trigger on it, but I, I, I do like that bet a lot. I do think Texas A&M is a significantly better team if they get the same quarterback they play play, they had against Alabama. This game
0: should not be close
1: with how different these, how different the talent is on this team.
0: All right, let's head into our underdogs. Uh, My underdog of the week. I'm taking Georgia Southern plus two and a half against old dominion. Um, This Georgia Southern team obviously is a Georgia team. So we are a little bit more in tune with them than other smaller schools. I guess you could say, but um, I think this Georgia Southern team has been a team that's really impressed me. Um, Jake and I had a pretty significant bet win in the Georgia Southern money line play against Nebraska earlier this year. That won us a ton of money. Thank you Southern. We're very appreciative of that. Um, They've not been playing the best football in the world, but they have a very, very good passing attack on offense. This old dominion team is by no means a slouch. They're coming off a massive win against coastal Carolina 49 to 21. Do not know what happened to coastal in this game because coastal is a solid team with a really good quarterback. Um, so, I look at Old Dominion. This is a team that gives up a ton of points. Um, they are a team that also struggles to put up points. So, I look at this from only one perspective of I think Georgia Southern is going to be able to score on these boys through the year. So, two and a half points. Um, I'll take Georgia Southern there. I think they'll cover that and probably outright win the game, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. Also, uh, they, they're they coming off a big win against James Madison last week. Uh, the week that James Madison became ranked 25th in the country, the Georgia Southern boys went out and beat them. So, you know they're they got the momentum riding their way right now, like you mentioned a big win against uh against Nebraska this year, so I, I like that a lot. I don't think old Dominion is is really at that level and that quarterback play they do have, I can't think of the kid's name right now, but he can absolutely sling the ball so if he gets rolling, um watch that Georgia Southern offense just you know end the game before it even gets started. um that leads me into mine, so I am going to go a little bit more mainstream here, a little bit more fun, and maybe this might be recency biased um one way not the other way because one team has played played well actually both teams have played bad not not bad um but i'm going to go with mississippi state plus 21 against alabama like that's too many points and the reason that's too many points because the only way this works is if alabama scores 70 because i know we're going to talk about last week okay yeah they scored mississippi state scored 17 at kentucky the three games prior to that, Mississippi State was rolling. This Mississippi State team dropped 42 on Texas A&M's defense just three weeks ago. This team has a very, very dynamic passing attack, which is something we just now saw Tennessee take advantage of against Alabama. Um, I think that this game could be rather close. I know that Mississippi State just played a little bit of a stinker. Bama's kind of had a little bit of you know, struggles the past past two weeks. Um, I really do think that Mississippi State can come out and make this game competitive. And I think that, you know, I, if this was set at 14 and a half, I, would, I might still take Mississippi State plus 14 and a half, as, as crazy as that might sound.
0: No, I thought about this one a lot, and I actually really, really like this game. Um, I went with the Georgia Southern one, but I like this Mississippi State offense a lot, and they have the ability to kill you through the air. And dude, we've seen it. Week after week, especially in that Tennessee game, and I know Tennessee is a better team than Mississippi State. But if Hendon Hooker can tear up that Alabama defense, Will Rogers is definitely going to. Um, Will damn. Rogers is damn. And, um, Will Rogers is an amazing quarterback, dude. I'm not saying he's better than Hendon Hooker, but he's going to do what Hendon Hooker did as far as efficient. I mean, this dude's completing seventy three percent of his passes, and he's throwing for fifty fifty five times a game. That's nuts. Um, this dude can sling the ball, and he can complete passes. And against an Alabama passing defense that is just super, super lackluster, um, I think he's going to have a field day.
1: Yeah, Tennessee kind of showed that you can kind of pick on Alabama if you if you target. I Tennessee had a game plan where they stayed away from Kool-Aid McKinstry, and it worked amazingly. And I think that from here on out, we're going to see teams do the same exact thing that Tennessee did. Because Tennessee just gave you the recipe to beat Alabama without playing defense. So imagine a team that comes in here and can play a little bit of defense, which I think Mississippi State can do. They can play a little bit of defense. Not amazing. They're not really they're not great defensively. I mean, they give up 375 yards per game, but I do think that they could contain this team enough and it is going to be an absolute amazing game to watch and when I say that and I get pumped up for it that means 21 is too much too much so that is my game I'm going to roll with like I had said earlier the only way Bama covers 21 is if they score 60 because Mississippi State is going to score
0: points no and I'm actually looking at the numbers right now um Mississippi State is the 8th ranked passing offense in the country as far as yards per game go, and Alabama is the 61st ranked defense in the country in passing yards allowed, and in um, passing yards per completion.
1: Damn. Okay. I mean, and you know, Mississippi State also has a little bit of a run game too. They they they're not just you know one dimensional. They do have a little bit of a run game. They can kind of go to. They do rush for. And it's only 93 yards a game, but I mean, they got a little something they could hit every once in a while.
0: Yeah, dude, I like that pick a lot, Jake.
1: Thank you, sir. I really appreciate it.
0: All right, let's talk about our over of the week in college football. And, Jake, my over of the week is the over 60-and-a-half in the Alabama-Mississippi State game.
1: Okay, continue.
0: Um, it's very obvious for the points we just mentioned. Alabama, not a very good passing defense. Mississippi State, a very good passing offense. Alabama, a very good passing offense. Mississippi State, not a very good passing defense. Uh, you saw the Tennessee-Alabama shootout, and I think – Um, Like I just said, I'm not saying Mississippi State is a better team than Tennessee, but uh, as far as just pure volume goes, they're going to step out there and they're going to throw the ball. And in a game where Alabama is the better team, they're probably going to get up early and and Mississippi State's going to have to come back. And that means air the ball out. And when you have a quarterback like Will Rogers that can air the ball out and complete passes, um, I think it could get very, very high scoring. I mean, you're looking at both teams having 30 points. I think that's probably going to happen in this game.
1: Yeah, um, and it's funny because before we got started on this podcast, I had mentioned to you that I'm going to have two picks from the same game. And I am actually going to follow your suit right here. And I, my overpick is also going to be Mississippi State at Alabama, 60 and a half. You just mentioned the key points. Um, the, the, on the low end of the spectrum on this game, I'm, gonna, I'm going to tell you this. The low end of the spectrum of this game is the 40 to 24 win by Alabama. That is the low end of the spectrum that covers the high end of the spectrum. We might see both teams in the above 40. There is a chance at it. We just saw it last week with Tennessee. I y'all need to hop on this Mississippi. Look, and maybe I'm biased. This podcast is 20 episodes in. I I'm famous for, uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm not really famous. Like, you know, uh, you know, getting there. Um, but I have, I have been riding Mississippi state. Mississippi State was the team that I, I was kind of a little bit higher on going into the season, so I I'm not gonna fall off of that wagon. We had mentioned bad week against Kentucky five weeks ago. They had a bad week against LSU. Outside of those two bad weeks, that offense has been steaming. And Kenny mentioned we have a quarterback that has as much usage as Will Levis. I said Will Levis. Look at that. I'm thinking about Kentucky as Will Rogers and a guy that has as much efficiency as Will Will Rogers is this man Steph Curry at quarterback? What is going on? Like, he, he is going to do what he does. 50 attempts, 40 for 50, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. That's not my prediction. But, yeah, I, I'm going to go over 60 and a half as, uh, as well, Kenny. Let's, t- I'm a t- let's take it back a notch. We have a bye week coming up. It needs to be a nice, chill day on the podcast. We're nice and chill. Like Calm down. Whew. Okay, breathe. I'm good.
0: You heard it here first. Oh,
1: it's a bye week. It's bye week.
0: All right, Jake. <laughs> well, off the rails. Well,
1: that's, always, that's always good. Well, what is your under of the week? Okay, so I, I'm I'm gonna hit a little bit uh interesting stuff right here. My under of the week is going to be Kansas State at TCU. Um, this Kansas State team has been a team that has has played some some pretty pretty good defense this year. But I must say, TCU is also a team that uh, that can put up some points. We always talk about Mr. Max Duggan. Uh, he's a guy we mentioned a couple times on this podcast. Is a guy that can sling the ball around the yard. 1,500 yards, 16 tuds, one interception. But um, I'm kind of looking back a little bit on some stuff. I think that this is going to be one of those games that you look at and you're all pumped up for it. And this one might be an absolute stinker. I think there is potential here because both teams are... These teams are very, very evenly matched to me. I think these are two close close teams when it comes to just pure play now I know Kansas state is coming off a ten to nine win against Iowa state last week, which is which is which is kind of or two weeks ago my fault, which is kind of funny, and it might it might be a little bit recency biased for me picking this, but um this is a team that that uh is is very good when it comes to not allowing teams to really take advantage of them on the ground um and you know. I think that can really, really help in an aspect like this. Um, they're going to force Max Duggan to beat him, which probably is not the best thing for me to say now that I'm picking an under, and I'm thinking about it because I just mentioned this guy's stats. He's an absolute freak. But the, to me, when I was looking at it, this feels like a game that, that could potentially go under, so I, I'm going to roll with that one.
0: No, I like that a lot. This is going to be a pretty high-competition game. Uh, it could be a just an outright dogfight throughout the entire game. So I actually thought about that as my under as well, and the only reason I did not take it is because I saw this juicy number of the under, 47.5 Notre Dame against UNLV.
1: Oh, UNLV.
0: Notre Dame is a bad football team. They are averaging a measly 23 points per game this season. Preach. And And they're matching up against a UNLV team that has faced an Air Force defense where they scored seven, a San Jose State defense, where they scored seven, and a Cal defense, where they scored 14. I know I just said Notre Dame is not a very good football team, but I can confidently say that Notre Dame is better than Cal, they're better than Air Force, and they're better than San Jose State, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So give me a team that scores 23 points per game against a team that put up seven, against air force and san jose state and i will take that under 47 and a half i will take that money i will put it on this game and then i will take my profit put it in my pocket and i will walk off into the sunset thank you very much
1: yeah so basically at that point you're banking on a team that lost to marshall to score 48 points by themselves and uh i have to agree with you kenny i do not think that's going to happen i i, I love that
0: no that is a ridiculous ridiculous point to bring up there this notre dame team is very bad and they are not very good at scoring points
1: all right, so we got our four in. We got our four in. Now, I do want to mention a little bit of stuff. Um, not too much stuff. I do want to go outside of betting a little bit. And this is just kind of previewing football a little bit. We can't talk about the betting aspect of it. I had saw a stat the other day, and I had to double-check myself. Um, obviously, we have a matchup this weekend of Ohio State and Iowa, which is a very, very fun matchup. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting game, to say the least. Um, but it is between two quarterbacks, um, and it is it is actually a hilarious quarterback matchup right here. We have Petrus. I think everybody in the nation can say it. Um, I think his name is Spencer. Spencer Petrus. Yep, it is Spencer Petrus. Um, facing him is C.J. Stroud. Petrus, nine hundred forty yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Stroud, seventeen hundred and thirty-seven yards, twenty-four touchdowns, and three interceptions. If I was to ask you the question right now, who has attempted more passes this season? Who would you think? Stroud. You're wrong. What? Spencer Petrus has, has has attempted 161 passes this year. CJ Stroud has attempted 160, which is absolutely insane to me that the guy that has two touchdown passes has attempted more passes than a guy that has 24 touchdown passes. That is,
0: is First off Anthony Richardson.
1: This dude has two this team has scored in double digits twice this year. Twice they have scored let me do quick math cuz guess what guys it's not that hard of math they have scored okay let's see 7 okay, okay plus 27 we got 34 so far we're making our way plus 27 okay now we're getting a little bit hard for me uh la, 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 la. something one 51 <laughs> yep something one <laughs> <laughs> This team has scored like 80 points this year through six games. They suck. Like I don't care what nobody says. Defense, I don't care. Iowa sucks. And Ohio State is about to absolutely dog walk these guys. They have 14.7 points per game on offense.
0: In a game like this, I love the first quarter lines. I looked at this one. I got Ohio State minus seven first quarter. Thank you very much.
1: These games. What? What is the, the over under better be the over under set at fifty? Okay, Ohio State's going to do that themselves. I don't care about Iowa's. I don't care about Iowa's defense allowing nine point eight points per game, which is kind of insane. I will give them that, but I, Ohio State's about to kill that number. They're about to scrounge these kids.
0: The highest, the highest scoring offense in college football.
1: And everybody out there, I know if you're a college football fan, you absolutely hate Iowa because every weekend their game's going to be on the TV and you're going to see it, and you're going to click on it. Um, Save yourself save yourself the time. And just never click on an Iowa game. Maybe this weekend because we want to see them get slouched. I think for me personally, Iowa's working their way up, the most hated teams in college football because they're so boring to watch, man. Like, you can't tell me that you can't go cr- grab some frat house kid that's been playing beer pong and hungover from the night before to come out and play quarterback, and he won't give you better ball than what Spencer Petras does because he sucks.
0: That quarterback room has got to be pitiful. It has to be. There's no way around it. They, I mean, I just don't understand how this guy still has a job in college football. I was the Russell Wilson of college football. Facts. Facts. <laughs> you, you wake up every morning praying on their downfall.
1: Yes. Yes. You have to. Um, but yeah, I, I just saw that stat the other day on Twitter, and I had to mention it on the podcast because it was hilarious that Petrus has attempted more passes than CJ Stroud.
0: That's ridiculous and talk about games now this is that's not really a game that we're excited to see but uh, a game that i'm excited to see is this syracuse clemson matchup Uh, oh syracuse
1: clemson oh yes
0: two undefeated teams man syracuse america's team right now they are riding the high of being undefeated i believe they're six and oh right now so 14th ranked syracuse takes on the clemson tigers in uh knockoff death valley um the Clemson comes out at a 13.5 point favorite. I'm not going to be touching this game, but I think this is going to be a big prove-it game for Syracuse. I'm not sure it's going to be a prove-it game for Clemson because here's the thing when you play Syracuse. I know they're undefeated. They're a top 15 team in college football. But if Clemson comes out there and beats Syracuse by 10, nobody's surprised. Nobody cares. It's a lose-lose situation for Clemson because if you if you blow out this team, I don't think anybody's going to think of you differently. And if Syracuse keeps it close... They're also they're going to tell you that Clemson's not as good as they thought they were, even when Syracuse is an undefeated football team. So but I am excited to see this because we're going to see what both of these teams are made of, Um, specifically Syracuse. I'm just excited to see if they can hold hang with the big boys.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I think this brings up a key point where everybody's been talking about a potential for a three team SEC playoff. Um, What about a three team ACC playoff? We're going to have a one loss Syracuse with this loss coming up this weekend. Then Clemson's going to go to the ACC championship game. They're going to face off against a one-loss North Carolina. They're going to lose that game. One-loss North North Carolina's going to be in there. One-loss Clemson's going to be there. One-loss is going to be in there. Let's get it, ACC. We got some good ball coming ahead, boys. I would cry. That was uh, just made-up thoughts by me, by the way, guys. This is not what I'm thinking.
0: I would cry. I would cry myself to sleep if I saw a three-team ACC playoff.
1: I would rather get another year of Notre Dame in the
0: college football playoff than see a three-team ACC playoff. Yeah, give me four-loss Texas A&M.
1: <laughs> I would probably take Missouri. There you go. <laughs> Try to tell me if Missouri played North Carolina tomorrow, like you wouldn't have some questions. Like, okay, man. like Missouri probably gonna beat these guys. Like, <laughs> I think Missouri's gonna beat
0: these guys. Dude, I mean, it, it, seriously, it's it, even a team like. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Hopping on the wagon, but even a team like Vandy. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it, it would make for some interesting football. Um one thing I did kind of notice too, that's kinda like outside of, you know, our, our official picks, and uh it's kind of an interesting one to me. And just because it's against a team that doesn't really play too much defense, um, they do they are really, really good offensively, but they don't play much defense. I don't mind. Boston College, um, minus, plus 20 and a half at Wake Forest. No. I think that, like I said, Wake Forest is a team that has really, really good offense. Don't don't get me wrong. But their defense is pretty lackluster, and Boston College does have a quarterback that I feel like we've talked about, like, every single time that we talk about Boston College, we've never mentioned his name one time. We just always say they have a quarterback. It's like Jerkovic or something like that or something stupid. Um... Yep, Phil Jerkovic, I was right. Um Yeah, I, I think they might have enough firepower, but then look at their recent games, they might just absolutely suck. So don't listen to me. They lost to Virginia Tech twenty seven ten.
0: Getting overlook. a yep. Sixty and a half right there.
1: Yeah, it is it is a pretty good overlook. I mean, we look we talk about a team like uh talk about a team like Wake Forest. Um they've scored thirty plus in each of their last five games, so they're looking pretty good on the on the point side of thing. And if you look at a team like Boston College, they have given up 30 plus points in their last four games. So might be on something, Guinea. Something to think about. Something to think about. Maybe pull up a little team total action. See how much see what you can get Wake Forest up.
0: That's we'll see. Pretty, I was about to say it's actually pretty good.
1: A little team total action. I had to get them at like Give him like a little bit. If you can give him anything below 40, I feel like I'm pretty confident of that. I don't have it in front of me, but.
0: Yeah, I'm looking for it and I can't find it. I give up. Well, um, I hey. want to talk about a, cu- a couple big games before we hop off college football. I think one of the biggest games of the week right here, we get number nine UCLA taking on number 10 Oregon. Beautiful game we got a 3.30 kickoff right here. Oregon is favored by 6.5 in this game. This is a game I would not even think about sniffing with a 20-foot pole. Um, UCLA's been very, very impressive. And obviously, aside from the Georgia route at the beginning of the year, this Oregon team has looked very, very good. So you talk about a top-10 matchup between these two teams, Pac-12 contenders. That's going to be a really good game there. Um, And then another one right here, Ole Miss and LSU. Ole Miss traveling to Death Valley to take on the Tigers. Three thirty 30 kickoff. LSU is a one-and-a-half point favorite here. Um, this is a pretty interesting one to me, considering undefeated Ole Miss um, being a underdog in this game. Um, this is one of those where you look at it and it's just like, oh, my gosh, what do you mean? Ole Miss plus one-and-a-half? Give me that all day long. And then LSU wins by 14. Yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah, so sometimes Vegas will get you, and uh, this seems like a, a trap game for me. So no, thanks. I'm not going to be touching that. But I will definitely be tuning into both of those games.
1: No, I agree 100. Um, I, I think the UCLA Oregon game. This is a team I've bet on in the past or bet against in the past. The UCLA, thinking that they're just like kind of like a, this, you know, a fairy tale team that you know was undefeated for the first half, and really they're a bad football team. Um, and that was against Utah. And I want to say I made that an official pick on this podcast. And I want to officially apologize to everybody out there who followed my lead on that particular pick because I was absolutely wrong. They dog walked Utah. So I am not going to go against uh UCLA whenever, in my heart, I do like Oregon more. Um, And then you talk about a team like uh, Ole Miss and LSU. I have seen multiple people out there saying that this is, you know, the uh biggest lock of the season. I would probably say not so fast. Um, I do feel like Ole Miss is not as good of a football team as what they've been playing like so far. And I do think LSU is a decent football team. Um, Obviously, they got blown out by Tennessee Um, two weeks ago, but Tennessee can put up points. So if you're not putting up points with them, they're going to beat you. Um, Also, this game is played in LSU, which is a, always a huge, huge aspect of any game that involves LSU. Um, so I, I'm really excited for both these games. I don't know if I'm have any money in either of these, in either of these games. If I was, I I hate to say it. Um, I would lean an under on the 66 and a half Ole Miss LSU. I think that's my only pick I would possibly take in in any, any of these two games. But, uh, I'm not going to give it out officially because I, I really don't know. Sometimes LSU goes out there and scores 30
0: plus. (laughs) Yeah, this team, you never know what you're going to get. All right, Jake, you got anything to hit on college football before we head to the men's league?
1: That's it for me. Kind of went off the rails a little bit. I'm going to get back on track now.
0: Oh, it is all good. Let's head to the NFL. We'll give our official picks, talk about anything we're looking at. Um, I believe Jake kicked it off in college football, so I will kick it off in the NFL. Um, A little caveat here, a little precursor. I'll say that the favorites in the NFL through the past couple of weeks have been a little bit difficult, um, and this week is no different. You look across the board at lines like Dallas at Detroit minus seven, um, Tennessee at home against Indianapolis minus two and a half, Jacksonville favored by three at home against the Giants. Like I'm just, I don't feel good about any of these. These give me the 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 heebie jeebies when I look at them. And oddly enough, I think the line I feel the most comfortable taking, and what I have penciled down here is my official pick for my NFL favorite this week, is the largest line of the week. And that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to Carolina to take on the Carolina Panthers minus 10 and a half. Ooh! I was 10 wrong. And a half. Ten and a half is a lot of points in the NFL. The only reason I think that this might be a likely scenario is you got a very good Tampa team who came, is coming off a stinker against Pittsburgh. They've been playing pretty under the radar throughout this entire year. Traveling to Carolina to take on a team who, starting quarterback, is injured sideline for a couple weeks. P.J. Walker came in there It looked very, very bad last week in a loss. And he also gets hurt. And then Jacob Eason comes in and plays as the third-string quarterback. Um, I saw that they activated Sam Darnold off the IR. I also saw that he is going to take a little bit of time to get into game shape. So I don't think we're going to see Sam Darnold in this game. I do not know P.J. Walker's status, um, but I really do not care because uh, the Carolina Panthers team, they just lost their Baker's favorite offensive weapon, um, probably the other than Christian McCaffrey, the second-best offensive weapon on the team other than dj moore um i think this carolina panthers team is in shambles right now they lost their head coach they fired them they're losing key players uh, from the quarterback room and the wide receiver room so 10 and a half it's a lot of points but um tampa i think this is a big week for them they can make a statement win here against carolina
1: yeah carolina is absolutely in shambles right now um i i sent a little picture to you and jacob in our little group chat we have of their box score showing like how they were distributing the ball around the around the field and um I want to say Ian Thomas had the uh second most receptions like three three receptions for like 12 yards and everything else was Christian McCaffrey and that is a prime example of why Robbie Anderson wanted out um he is a deep ball threat everybody and if you don't have a quarterback that's going to throw the ball deep like Baker Mayfield you have PJ Walker back there he's not going to work there his lack of usage was miserable and I'm going to tell you somebody else's uh lack of usage which is even more miserable because he's a better player than robbie anderson that's dj Moore. you mentioned him earlier dj Moore is going to be the next guy out and to be honest with you he is he rightfully show so should be the next guy out because you put this guy on a team that is a contender he is going to make them a lot better he is a beast man dj Moore is a stud and it's a shame that we have not really been able to see him get rolling with carolina this year um i do love that pick i think this carolina team Potentially, is one of the worst teams in the NFL, and Tampa Bay is one of the best teams in the NFL. So, ten and a half is a big number, but this is uh this is like Ohio State, uh, Iowa. Facts. Um. So that leads me into mine, and you know, before the podcast, we were kind of discussing, looking at lines. We weren't we weren't spoiling to each other. That's not what we do. We like to kind of get each other's reactions fresh. We were both discussing them, and I had a feeling that me and Kenny had the same one because he said there was one of them he was looking at, and it was not the same line. So a little bit different there. Um, and there's two of them I'm looking at. I, I'm gonna tell you my first one first. This is not my official pick, but it is one I do like. It's it was a close second, and that is Green Bay minus four and a half at Washington. Um, Green Bay is a team that you know really still has not got their feet under them completely. But we talk about this every week, and I I'm really really big on this, and it's it, kind of a bad thing sometimes because you don't never know when a team's gonna step up. And I do feel like this Green Bay team is going to step up at some point. And I do not like this Washington football team right now. You know, I love Taylor Heineke. I know that he's gonna be he's gonna be their guy for the next couple weeks with Carson Wentz going on the IR with a broken finger. But uh, dude, Green Bay gotta get rolling at some point, and this this just feels like a perfect example. You go to Washington, you play a pretty bad football team, and you get them boys going. So. That's my that's my little backup plan, but my main pick I'm going to give, and maybe it's a controversial one because it is a hard place to go and play. Um, I'm going to pick Kansas City at San Francisco minus two and a half. Key reason for that is, and it's a pretty big key reason. Kansas City's just a better football team. Um, Jimmy G is Jimmy G, um, but the Falcons just beat the 49ers by two possessions. I know it was at home, so it's a little bit different. But Kansas City is going to come off of a game that they, you know, a tight game against Buffalo that they feel like they, you know, had a really, really good chance to win. And this is like a revenge game. Like, they are about to come out, and they are going to play some good football, man. I, I'm really excited to see this. Um, Hopefully, just for football's sake, San Francisco's defense is getting a little bit healthier as, you know, these weeks pass because I know they've been a little bit banged up recently, and that could make this game a lot more interesting. But as it stands right now, I love this pick with Kansas City, minus 2.5.
0: I like that a lot. And you mentioned it there with the defense getting healthier. They missed a lot of key guys against the Falcons. Yes. um, And they've been dealing with some injuries so far this year. But, you know, obviously the 49ers have one of the best defenses in the NFL. And, um, you know, studs all around the board. But it's just another one of those situations where it doesn't really matter what kind of defense you tried out there against Patrick Mahomes.
1: No, not at all.
0: So two and a half. Uh, I don't. I don't think it matters who they're playing. Um, two and a half points with the Chiefs. I, I. I like that pick a lot. Okay, so
1: that leads us to our underdogs, Kenny. Would you like to take the take the reins on this one
0: first? Sure, I'll take it. I will take it. My underdog of the week. My official pick. I am taking the Pittsburgh Steelers plus Ooh. seven in Miami against the Dolphins. I believe this is going to be Tua's first game back. Um, yes. Steelers have been playing really good ball. I know Kenny Pickett went down with an injury in the last game, and the Mitch came out and closed it out and actually played really, really good for the time he was there. Um, so I, I think the Steelers team is a little bit of a sleeper. I don't think they're a great team by any means, but the Steelers are the Steelers, and Mike Tomlin is Mike Tomlin. Uh, the defense is very, very good for the Steelers. I know the defense is also really good for <laughs> for the Dolphins as well. But when I look at this Steelers team, I see a lot of players that can contribute in a lot of different ways. Um, We talk about it a lot in the NFL where you get to a touchdown, a little bit over a touchdown. It's a big line in the NFL. Um, And I don't think this Dolphins team is better than that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. And um, I think seven points is just too much. So I'm riding with the Steelers here.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot. That's what I was looking at. um, Miami, first three games of the season. There was potential talks that they were the best team in football. Tua goes down with the injury. They lose three in a row. Now set at three and three. Um, it, it definitely makes up for a very interesting game. And I am very, very curious to see how it kind of plays out. Um, and like you mentioned it, man, Mike Tomlin is going to Mike Tomlin. And Pittsburgh is going to manage to win nine, eight, nine games every year. Somehow they are going to manage it. No matter how that roster looks, they're going to win games. And, you know, the big part of that with Pittsburgh is, is usually on the defensive side of the football. But, you know, defensively, they haven't, you know, been super stellar this year, like we're so used to seeing. So it's kind of an interesting aspect. That is definitely one I looked at. Um, I did stay away from it, though, just because the aspect of that my, my Miami offense has to get rolling again at some point. Um, yeah. Waddle's been kind of, you know, lackluster recently. Tyreek's still putting up crazy numbers, but we, we kind of expect that from Tyreek. Um, another interesting thing I wanted to say, it's kind of outside of, you know, the whole betting atmosphere. You seen the? Have you seen the little ramblings going around recently about the Dolphins, uh, trading Mike Gesicki? I have not, and I, I, I think I and I think I'm right on that. I'm pretty sure there's been a little bit of rumors recently that they're gonna that they're gonna be shopping Mike Gesicki. Let me let me let me do a little live research on the on the Twitter right quick.
0: I Man, I believe it. When you see a guy like Mike Gesicki come out there, um, his dancing ability alone with his gritties, um, I think would have all 31 NFL teams interested in him.
1: Michael Balko. So I, I, I'm gonna give my sources here. He, he's he's verified on Twitter. The Dolphins are expected to trade tight end Mike Gesicki by the NFL trade deadline. Wow. So I don't I don't know I don't know what that would look like. I'm assuming that they would like to uh, target a guy that could help them right now. Not picks. I would like I would think that it would be like a Gesicki for maybe a defensive piece, like a one one for one trade player for player. So that, that would definitely be interesting to see, and uh, he's definitely a, a guy. I think most people around the league love Mike sick, especially with that mean, gritty he likes to hit.
0: Um, feels that, like feels like that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team is going to sell the barn to get this guy.
1: Yeah, it only feels right, right? Like that, <laughs> it feels like a perfect situation for him to go into. Um, so my underdogs of the week. This is a week for the underdogs for me. I love a lot of different underdog picks right here. Um, I looked at I looked at New York going to Jacksonville plus three. This is a team that's playing really really good football. Um, I looked at Cleveland plus six and a half going to Baltimore because Baltimore has a lot of injury situations going to this week. Half their team is questionable, so that is uh interesting to see. Obviously, Falcons always a good pick team to pick against the spread. They are six and zero right now against the spread, but I think my one I'm going with. Also, I did I looked at Seattle two plus five against Chargers. I I, I like that. But the team I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the New York Jets plus one at Denver. This All Jets right. team, this Jets team, this Jets team is not that bad. This Jets team is coming off a 27 to 10 victory in Green Bay. Like it, this Jets team is is kind of going right now. Brees Hall is an absolute stud. They have some weapons on the outside. I know bad news. Elijah Moore just requested a trade out of there. So, you know, it kind of stinks on that part. But this team looks like, you know, they have some potential studs. I want to say right now that Brees Hall and uh, Sauce Gardner, they both have pretty good odds to win the Rookie of the Years on their respective sides of the ball. So, you know, they got some young studs out there, and I think this is a good team. Denver has still not quite picked it up. We saw Russ Cook in the first half this past week, and he fell off in the second half, just like Russ does.
0: Yeah, I mean, we already mentioned it with, you know, your – Praying on Russ's downfall every time you wake up, especially after the Atlanta Hawks comments. Yeah, I clicked on that. That was, uh, I did see that, that Jacob sent that, and I, I saw the
1: thing. I will give Russ a little bit of defense. That was whenever we were selling the Hawks. The Hawks were being sold at that point. That was 2017. So it was a long time ago, and we were up for sale at that point. And there was questions of us going out there. Good thing is, we got, we got new ownership. They got us, you know, they kept us in Atlanta. We're here to stay. So I will give him a little bit of, little bit of, a little bit of defense, a little bit of Legion of Boom defense that he used to have. Thank you, Hawks. Thank you, Hawks.
0: No, I like that pick a lot. There, this Jets team has been playing crazy ball lately, especially against the Broncos team that, I, in my opinion, is just very, very bad.
1: Yeah, they're four and two this season, and they're three and zero oh on the road. That's nuts. All right, so that brings us to overs.
0: Yes. And I will kick it off. I mentioned earlier, we talked about the Falcons game, and I said I had a pick. Here I am, the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. I am on the over 47-and-a-half. To spare you guys, me going on another rant, talking about these offensive and defensive matchups, um, go back, listen to it for a little bit more in-depth analysis. But the teams match up pretty well uh, with what they do well and what we do well. Um, but I think what it really comes down to is this Bengals team can throw the football and the Falcons defense cannot defend the pass, and the Falcons defense can run the football and the Bengals defense cannot defend the run. So I think we're gonna see some points in this game and forty seven and a half, I think it's just gonna be a little bit too low.
1: Yeah, we're getting we're getting uh risky in this podcast for our uh for our group record because I am following suit here and I am also rolling with the Atlanta Falcons. And Cincinnati Bengals going over the 47 and a half. This Falcons offense is one that has been rolling and the Bengals offense has been rolling. So when you get that two things going together, um, we mentioned it all earlier. Trust me, if you want to remember, you can wind back about an hour and you'll listen to all what we've said. Um, but yeah, let's just roll with the over 47 and a half. I love
0: that. That number's set too low. We are. We're getting a, getting a little bit risky on the podcast, but hey, what's life without a little bit of risk? That's betting, right? Mm-hmm. All right, let's head into our under of the week in the NFL. Jake, I'll let you kick it off.
1: You're going to let me kick it off? Oh, Lord, we're getting hot. I think... Hold up. Let me let me think about it. I am, am going to roll with the under. And this might be a little bold because we have a certain guy that's coming back this week. I'm going to go with under 48.5, Detroit at Dallas. Detroit was playing good ball to start this year. They look like they we're rolling on offense. Jared Goff is tossing the ball around the yard. Things have changed. They are coming off a of bye week which is which is a pretty key thing to think about. But dude, they got shut out by the Patriots. And I'm not saying the Patriots defense is bad, but that offense is stale again. And I think that is a lot more realistic than, you know, how they're rolling early on in the season. Jared Goff was one of the better quarterbacks in football for the first couple weeks, and we all knew that's not a true statement. Um Dak is coming back this week for the Dallas Cowboys and this Lions defense is bad but this dallas defense is good and i don't know how much points this detroit offense is going to be able to put up so i think this could
0: easily stay under the 48 and a half no i like that a lot and um i kind of followed you in a little bit of a we'll call it a risky play and i say risky because i already have a bet on this game as well hmm. i mentioned tampa minus minus ten and a half and a half at carolina okay i am also taking the under in that game of 40
1: oh you know what they say if the under seems low it's probably gonna go under
0: that's right they always say it they always say it and it typically does um this really just boils down to me um likelihood of what's going to happen in this football game i think tampa is going to cruise out to maybe a 24 25 point lead um and then you know how it is in the nfl when you get up big you coast to the end um on this Carolina Panthers team, I just don't think it's going to be able to score uh, with a backup quarterback, maybe a backup to a backup, a depleted wide receiver room, injuries all over the board against one of the best defenses in the NFL. Uh, I just don't see it happening. I don't think Tampa is going to come out there and hang 40 on these boys. Um, you know, all things considered, Carolina has a pretty solid defense. Um, but. They're just not going to be able to produce on the offensive side of the ball, so I feel pretty good about the under forty in this game, so doing a little double dip here, minus ten and a half and the under of forty.
1: Check us out. we had a couple of double dips i had I had two bets on the Alabama Mississippi State game. you had two on the uh Tampa Bay Panthers game, and then we both had two of the same bets, so like I said, whenever we both take the same picks, it gets really, really risky it's high risk, high reward for our betting uh for our betting records because. If both those if both of those lose, that's an automatic 0 and four right there. But if they they both hit, well, we four and zero off two bets. We would love to see it.
0: Right, you love to see it. What's life without a little bit of risk, Jake? That is big, 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 big facts. Um,
1: yeah, Kenny, we are at an hour thirty right now. Um, how about how about we wrap this bad boy up? Do you have any uh thing else on the big boy league?
0: I think that's pretty much it for me, man. Um, there's a couple interesting games. I'm interested in that New York Giants-Jacksonville game. Um, Jacksonville played a really, really good ball to start the year. Trevor Lawrence kind of came into um, himself and started playing really good football again, like we saw in college, and uh, the Giants. Um, I think this is going to be a pretty big test for them uh, to kind of see they're stacking up against a team of a similar caliber to kind of see what that Giants team is made out of. Um, I think they may be playing a little bit above their head right now. But, you know, they could come out here and win by ten and prove me wrong. Who knows? Um but other than that, I'm really interested in that Chiefs game. I'm really interested in the um I'm really interested in the Dolphins game and the Cowboys game. See two and Dak come back from injury. But other than that, that's pretty much it for me, man. That's the beautiful thing about the NFL is uh you can look at every game and be like, Okay, this
1: is an interesting game. Where college football, yeah. we don't really get that luxury. Um so it's a little bit easier to pick and choose with college, where in the NFL, you've got to point out every single game as a game. Like, okay, yeah, I can see something happening right here. Um, I did want to mention something that I did, I did see, uh, or I heard on some podcasts. I'm sorry, I, I'm totally forgetting about the name. But uh, with a win against Kansas City, I know Buffalo's in a bye week right now, so we're going to give a little bit of Buffalo love out there. The Buffalo Bills have beaten every division leader in the AFC. This season. That's wild. They beat the Chiefs 24 20. They beat the Ravens 23 20. And they beat the Titans 41 7. They have beaten every division winner or every division leader right now in the AFC, which is pretty interesting <laughs> through, uh, is... through six weeks.
0: That is, that is a pretty big deal. <laughs> that Buffalo team is a wagon right now. Yes,
1: that Buffalo team looks really, really, really good defensively and offensively. Honestly, they're top five in football. Josh Allen playing like the MVP right now. Yes, best quarterback in football so far this year. That's right. Well, um, I want to go ahead and say thank y'all so much for tuning in. Um, I know we said it at the beginning of the podcast, but we can never say it too many times. Thank y'all for tuning in. Uh, it's it's always a blessing to have you know anybody out there listening to us just ramble on and kind of get off the rails every once in a while talking about some sports. Um, like Kenny had mentioned earlier, um, if you would and you would like to, check us out on our socials. Any questions? Any tips to improve the podcast? Go ahead and send them to our uh, inbox. It's always wide open. Um, you can find us anywhere. Honestly, TikTok, uh, all that fun stuff. Um, if you're list- if you're on the YouTube side of things and you're watching us right now, um, check us out. We have a Spotify and Apple po- Apple Podcast uh, thing set up, and it's Peach State Tailgate, just like it is on the YouTube and podcast side. People, uh, check us out on YouTube. You'll be able to see our faces. You'll be able to see our live reactions. Get a little bit of insight before we get started. because we usually go live about. 20 minutes before we really kick the podcast off and hit the hit the live button or hit the record button. And it kind of just gives us a little bit more like just what we talk about, how we get ready for this type of stuff. Maybe give a little bit of picks that aren't official picks but are kind of like on our mind. Um basically just a bunch of bullcrap that we do beforehand. But if you're into that type of stuff, check us out. Um also everyone that we've uh already done so far is on the YouTube page. So if you want to go back and you know stat proof our uh our bets this year to make sure we're actually uh profitable bettors go ahead go ahead you can check us we promise we're telling the truth we are studs when it comes to sports betting absolute heaters so uh yeah that's all i want to say thank y'all so much and uh i'm really excited to get next week's episodes out we have a couple exciting things to go over like some Ray superlatives or whatever superlatives i can't say the word but uh bunch of fun stuff and you know next week we're going to go into some florida georgia hate week stuff so kenny i kind of rambled on long enough and let you end this thing out for me
0: nope nope, you covered everything well thank you guys so much for listening we can't wait to dive in here next week get into some florida hate and um you know ramp this thing back up talk about some more georgia football and uh close out the Braves. so thank y'all so much check us out on the socials and um, tune in next week we'll be back